You are listening to Veterinary Mental Health, Turning the Stethoscope Around, Episode 11, presented by Thoughtful Life Counseling. Welcome to the podcast. I am Taylor Miller, a veterinarian and a licensed professional counseling intern. Mental health and work-life balance are critical issues for veterinary professionals. While not intended as a substitute for individual counseling, this podcast seeks to address many of the mental health concerns common to members of our profession. Hello and welcome. Today we will be laying the groundwork for the remainder of our podcast time together. Up until now, I have been choosing topics, I won't say at random, but topics that are largely unrelated to each other. From now on, my hope is to proceed in a more methodical or orderly manner, one that will allow us to build skills and information one on top of the other to allow for methodical change in our lives. So this is really where the formal wellness journey starts. I would like to begin with a couple of definitions. Psychology Today defines well-being as the experience of health, happiness, and prosperity. It includes having good mental health, high life satisfaction, a sense of meaning or purpose, and the ability to manage stress. More generally, well-being is just feeling well. So that's the definition that they have included. And I really like that point, the ability to manage stress, because well-being is not an absence of stress. It's instead our ability to handle that stress gracefully and in a way that minimizes its impact on us. Wellness, on the other hand, is an active process of becoming more aware and making choices towards a healthy and fulfilling life. So well-being is the state that you're aiming for. Wellness is the process of getting there. So that's why I've called this series of podcasts the TLC Wellness Journey. When one considers wellness as an active, deliberate process, that means that we take responsibility for how we feel and for our well-being. For some, this can feel intimidating because it's one more thing to handle, but hopefully it can also feel empowering, the idea that how we feel and our well-being is largely in our control. We can choose how we manage our lives such that our well-being is optimized. As I get to assume that optimized well-being is everyone's goal, what follows is the framework I use to organize my thoughts about what goes into that sense of well-being. There are four aspects of well-being that we need to take into consideration, four major sections that I feel act like the four chambers of the heart. Each of these areas feeds into the other, affects the other, and is impacted by the other. So keep that in mind, that they are all working in harmony or disharmony, and that's maybe why we're not feeling well. The first category is physical well-being. This includes physical health, your environment, financial security, and your safety. The second is emotional well-being. Elements included here are your general attitude, your level of positive emotion, life satisfaction, your sense of accomplishment. So people are asking you, how do you feel? This is usually what you're talking about, your emotional well-being. Your mental well-being is a little bit more intellectual. It includes things like resilience, self-regulation, how anchored your sense of self is, and then how you think about yourself, your self-acceptance or your self-regard. I've lumped self-care in here as well. How do we actively take care of ourselves? The final category is social well-being, and this is how we interact with the world around us. This includes our relationships, our communities and affiliations. It also includes our purpose. So how we make meaning of our environment and our engagement with our environment. So how we make sense of the world in essence. 
I do include professional well-being under this category. We'll talk about professional well-being separately, but it is included under the umbrella of social well-being. And now to go into a little bit more detail for each of these, keep in mind that today's handout is going to list out these different categories so you don't have to remember them. What the handout will ask you to do today is to go step by step through these categories and through these subcategories to consider where you're at in each of them and where you have room for growth, where you have some particular challenges, which apply to you, which maybe don't as much. These are the areas that we need to consider if our plan is to develop a path towards well-being, so a wellness journey. What is our wellness journey going to include? You have to know where you're starting and you have to know where you're going. For now, I'm going to talk through each category in an attempt to create a large-scale type outline for our wellness thoughts to fall into. Our first category is physical well-being. This category is one of the most obvious in some senses and the one that sometimes we fail at the most because we assume it is less important than some of the other categories. But remember that everything that happens in one category affects all the other categories. So unless you are taking care of your physical well-being, you're not going to be able to achieve high levels of well-being in the other categories. So keep that in mind and consider it as an investment in yourself. For physical health, some of the things that we need to think about are water intake, sleep. Sleep hygiene is something that we'll be talking about soon. Nutrition, just like for dogs, I feel like everyone has their own approach to what they consider to be good nutrition. I certainly have my own views. I will try not to expound on them too much, but I do feel there are some general rules that maybe we can all agree on. For instance, I don't think that anyone is going to try to convince me that sugar is a good thing, so I feel I can speak fairly safely about that. But beyond that, what I want you to consider for your own life is there are ways to eat that help improve mental health. There are ways to eat to reduce inflammation. There are ways to eat to change your weight. There's ways to eat for optimal pregnancy health, lactation, for medical conditions. So whatever goal you are trying to achieve, there are ways that your diet and nutrition can assist you towards that goal. You will need to decide what those goals are and what that method is for you, but what you eat does matter and it will impact your goals positively or negatively. So if it has the power to impact your goals, I advise taking a deliberate stance on that aspect of your life. Exercise, as we know, is a beautiful thing. It includes strength, flexibility, cardiovascular fitness, endurance, skills training, balance, functional fitness. This one I feel is particularly important for our large animal practitioners. Having a functional level of fitness such that your job can be accomplished is going to be important. And then for those of you who have been injured in the line of duty, targeted um, PT will be critical as well. Grooming and hygiene does fall under physical health. Thinking about professional care, making sure that we get our yearly exams, blood work, our dental cleanings, going to the ophthalmologist if you need to. For some people, chiropractors are a necessary part of their physical health or management of a more chronic health condition. Keeping on top of that, just as we advise our own clients to make sure they stay on top of their pets' conditions, we need to do the same. And then substance management. 
And I say management because I'm not necessarily advocating for elimination of substances, but just making sure that your use is deliberate and that it aligns with your overall goals for yourself and that you recognize what effect those substances have on you specifically so that you can choose whether or not they are a part of your wellness journey. Some of the substances that we need to think about are alcohol, caffeine, marijuana, nicotine. I do count artificial sweeteners as part of our substance management. I will probably sneak in a soapbox on artificial sweeteners at some point, having been a long-term user myself. So please don't ever feel like I am trying to present myself as some kind of superior human being. I'm definitely not. But as I learn things, I like to be able to share. Safety is one that I don't know that we always deliberately consider, but it is one that does have profound impacts both on our physical health as well as our mental health. And these include things like environmental hazards or toxin exposure. Some of this is related perhaps to where you live. If you live in an area with a lot of smog or that has water quality issues, those kinds of things may be more difficult to deliberately adjust, but they should be taken into consideration. Interpersonal safety can be huge, and this includes not only intimate partner violence, but also any sense of threat to your safety that you may have at your place of work or in society in general. Risk-taking and risk management, some of this is sort of everyday logic, seatbelts, helmets, etc., Some of this is more difficult. Again, our large animal practitioners taking the extra minute to make sure that you are able to handle safely that large animal. For large dogs, taking the extra minute or turning that appointment away and having them come back tomorrow with some sedation on board. Managing your risk-taking in a way that allows you to live a longer, healthier, less damaged life. It's very important. Our next category is environment. And so while this does incorporate some of those environmental hazards that I was describing, it's more focused on your living situation. So how does your house or apartment feel to you? Is the level of cleanliness where you want it to be? Is it personalized in a way that makes you feel like it's home? And do you have an outdoor space that you can call your own or that feels accessible to you that fulfills that nature walk that we were talking about? The location, do you feel like you are close to the amenities that are most important to you? Do you feel like your desire for beauty is fulfilled? Is the population density satisfactory? And is there a sense of community that you feel part of? And vehicles can count. So especially if you are a mobile practitioner and being in your vehicle that many hours a day is a big part of your life, are you driving a vehicle that you feel safe in and that feels comfortable to you and that has the bells and whistles that make your day more smooth? And then financial security is the last category in physical well-being, largely because it allows for the other physical things to happen. So do you have a reliable income or an ability to be employed that will allow you to count on income in the future? Are you able to meet your basic needs and are you able to meet your progress towards basic goals? There have been studies that show that financial success is tied to happiness, but only up to a certain point. And that point is actually fairly low. It comes in right about the point when you are secure in your housing, secure in your food, and secure in just some very basic amenities. After that, the correlation disappears. So for financial security, this is basic stuff. Once your basic stuff is taken care of, we leave that category behind and we begin looking at other areas for ways to improve our well-being. So that takes care of our physical well-being. 
The next category is emotional well-being. And this one can be a little bit tricky because it's so subjective and there are fewer things that we can tally up or count or compare to let us know how we're doing. For emotional well-being, one of the big categories is positive attitude, positive emotions, joy. So how frequently are you feeling those positive emotions? How do we deliberately change that if maybe you recognize that positive emotions aren't a huge part of your day-to-day? This will be the subject of a future podcast, developing positive emotions and positive attitudes and positive outlooks in your own life. The one thing that we have touched on so far that would be possible in this category is the loving kindness meditation that I mentioned in the mindfulness podcast. Gratitude exercises are something that can contribute to positive attitude as well. And again, we will go over this. This one is particularly influenced and influences other categories. A growth mindset is also a huge part of emotional well-being. Having a mindset that allows you to believe that change is possible and that change is continually happening, that we are continually growing, changing, and that we have the opportunity to direct that growth and change. The growth mindset is what is making you listen to this podcast. So together, if we are in a growth mindset, we will be able to change all these other categories. Life satisfaction and accomplishment. How has your effort been spent up to this point and are you satisfied with that? Do you feel like your trajectory is satisfactory and are your current efforts going towards something worthwhile? Mental well-being is an area that we will spend a lot of time in, obviously coming from my particular area of training. The first elements of mental health are resilience and self-regulation. These we'll probably spend the most time on or at least reference with each of our other topics. And these combine the ability to manage stress, to manage your response to the world, to recover from setbacks, disappointments, failures, and the ability to manage your emotions as you desire. An anchored sense of self is also critical to mental well-being and another area we will spend time on. This includes a well-defined sense of life values. So what is important to you in life and are your current activities in line with those values. I'll help you assess your own strengths and areas of challenge such that you can leverage those strengths and compensate for those areas of challenge in order to live your best life. Hobbies and passions, what truly fulfills you, what truly makes you happy. For some, this includes a religious or a spiritual identity that's important to nurture. Self-regard and self-acceptance are another area of mental well-being. I keep saying they're important or this one's important. They're all important or I wouldn't be talking about them. But positive self-talk and self-directed loving kindness and shame management, all of these things we will talk about as a way to ensure that you are not your own worst enemy. We want to make sure that you are your best cheerleader and someone who feels deserving of all the kindness and all of the effort that these other areas demand. Self-care is a little bit more of an active process, so it's a habit of reflection and introspection. And those skills will be important for helping us determine what needs to happen next for ourselves. It also includes habits of recreation or vacation, entertainment, and for establishing boundaries, interpersonal boundaries or, or simply personal boundaries, what you're willing or not willing to do, your ability to balance the areas of your life, and your recognition for alone time. How much do you need and are you giving yourself that? 
All of these are aspects of mental well-being that play a big part in our overall sense of wellness. The final category is social well-being. And I think this one we may be a little bit more aware of because it requires interaction. So we have a little bit better sense of where we exist on our social well-being scales, but I'm going to go over them individually anyway. The first category of social well-being is purpose or meaning making. And this is closely tied with that values work that I was speaking about just a minute ago. It's an evaluation of whether the areas that you're spending your energy in have purpose for you and meaning. And is that purpose one that your values align with? Are you living a meaningful life, essentially? Engagement. I think of this one as how you engage with your community or your environment. This includes volunteering, perhaps a sense of civic duty, ways that you interact with the people around you. Or for some of us, this may be directly funneled into our professional identity as well. How are we engaging with our community through our work with animals such that we're contributing? Relationships. This one, people usually have a pretty good sense of where they're at. And with relationships, we need to think about these categories separately. So our romantic partner or intimate partners are managed differently than our friendships, which are managed differently than our family. And when I say family, I do need you to understand that whether you are thinking of family as your chosen family or your family of origin, family is family, whichever direction they come from. So when I use that word, I'm not trying to be exclusive. Children, if you have children, they're a whole new ball game. And then community acquaintances. And these may not be friends that you seek out necessarily, but they're people that you interact with enough or frequently enough that they're part of your world and managing those relationships are important as well. We will have a segment on making friends and how, how that process changes through the different life phases that we have. Communication skills we can talk about and then boundaries, how we establish defend and communicate our boundaries will change with who we are interacting with, but it's all equally important for our own mental well-being. The next category is community and affiliations, and this kind of expands on that community acquaintance that I was talking about. So these will be people that you know in your professional life, in any religious group that you belong to, local or neighborhood communities. If you have a particular lifestyle that grants you membership to a community, that community needs to be considered. And then our sense of being part of a national or global community is also something to consider. The final subcategory for social well-being is professional well-being. And of course, this is one that we will focus on quite a bit because it is such a rich and dysfunctional profession. We will be covering a number of topics under this heading. The first being boundaries. We'll talk about that a lot. We'll talk about some of the more practical aspects of professional well-being, compensation, support. So, so we'll be looking at things like self-advocacy or contract negotiation, which I will not be a part of. I will either talk to somebody else who knows about contract negotiation, or I will read a book and report on that book because that is not a strong suit for me. Professional development and continuing education, looking beyond just tallying those CE credits. Are you pursuing opportunities to develop personal interests, whether that interest is dentistry or orthopedics or ophthalmology, something that you find particularly interesting, are you able to develop that talent? Relationships specific to professional well-being with colleagues and with clients, so looking at conflict resolution and how ethical fatigue and compassion fatigue play into how we relate to others and how we're able to accomplish our job. 
And finally, whether or not veterinary medicine as you are currently practicing it is fulfilling for you. And if it's not, what's missing? Or what needs to be different in order for it to fulfill you? Or maybe a deeper question, is veterinary medicine right for you? Do you need to consider something different? And if so, how do you handle the financial and emotional aspects of that kind of choice? So all of these things we'll go over in much greater detail in future episodes. And while today's episode did probably feel like a PowerPoint presentation, I do want to reassure you that future episodes will be more deep dive conversational type episodes, less bullet point rapid information delivery type episodes. I do find sometimes that I just need to provide a framework for future episodes and it's hard to deliver a framework in a way that is as pleasant to receive as hopefully future episodes will be. So thank you for sticking out this one and I do hope you look at that handout. From now on, when I have an episode, it will fit somehow into one of the categories that I've spoken about today. I will try to be good about letting you know which category we're working on at the beginning of each episode and how it fits into what has gone before. Information delivery is going to slow down considerably and we're going to spend more time figuring things out together. The final thing that's going to change is the day that I release the podcast. I've had some changes in my schedule and Monday just isn't working out. So you can start looking for new episodes Friday mornings. And I realize after the fact that before transitioning, I should have alerted you that you wouldn't be getting a podcast this Monday, but I'm still so disbelieving that there are people out there paying attention to the release date that it didn't occur to me that it might be missed. If you did miss it, I'm so sorry, and also thank you. But from now on, I will be talking to you on Fridays. So until we speak again, take care of yourself and have a wonderful week. This has been a mental health moment brought to you by Thoughtful Life Counseling. If you found today's episode helpful, please subscribe to the podcast and consider leaving me a review. You can download the handout mentioned in today's episode by visiting my website at thoughtfullifecounseling.com. To have the handouts delivered by email, please sign up to receive my twice-monthly newsletter. If you have topic requests, questions, or comments, please contact me through my website or any one of my social media platforms. Take care and tune in next week for a discussion on how we affect change in our lives.